Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This will be for section 115. I'll read the heading first. Revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet at the far west Missouri, April 26, 1838, making known the will of God concerning the building up of that place and of the Lord's house. This revelation is addressed to the presiding officers and the members of the church. This section is best known as the revelation that gives the official name of the church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In the early years of its existence, the church was called the Church of Christ, the Church of Jesus Christ, and the Church of God. This caused some problems for missionaries because many congregations used these names. To distinguish themselves, members began to refer to the church as the Church of Latter-day Saints. And that was by Joseph Eli McConkie. Verse 1, Verily thus saith the Lord unto you, my servant Joseph Smith, Jr., and also my servant Sidney Rigdon, and also my servant Hiram Smith, and your counselors, who are and shall be appointed hereafter. At this time, Sidney Rigdon and Hiram Smith were first and second counselors, respectively, to the prophet Joseph Smith in the first presidency of the church. Hiram was set apart as second counselor in the place of Frederick G. Williams on the 7th of November, 1837. In Doctrine and Covenants section 107, it says, Of the Melchizedek priesthood, three presiding high priests, chosen by the body, appointed and ordained to that office, and upheld by the confidence, faith, and prayer of the church, form a quorum of the presidency of the church. It established that the first presidency was to consist of a quorum of three. Additionally, counselors became counselors to that quorum, not counselors in that quorum. Those, notice the distinction, they were counselors to the quorum, not counselors in the quorum. Those who had served as counselors to that quorum include the following, John C. Bennett, Amasa M. Lyman, Joseph F. Smith, Lorenzo Snow, Brigham Young Jr., Albert Carrington, John W. Young, George Q. Cannon, Hugh B. Brown, Joseph Fielding Smith, H. Thorpe Isaacson, Alvin R. Dyer, and Gordon B. Hinckley. That was by Joseph Fielder McConkie. At a conference held on the 3rd of September, 1837 at Kirtland, Ohio, Oliver Cowdery, Joseph Smith Sr., Hiram Smith, and John Smith were sustained as assistant counselors. However, on the 26th of April, 1838, when section 115 was given, only Joseph Smith Sr. and John Smith were serving as assistant counselors. Hiram Smith had taken the place of Frederick G. Williams in the First Presidency, and Oliver Cowdery had lost his membership in the church. Later, in Nauvoo, others served as counselors to the prophet. John C. Bennett, who served a short time because Sidney Rigdon was ill, William Law, and Amasa Lyman, Jesse Gauze also served as a counselor in the First Presidency, but remember, he walked himself out of the history of the church. Verse 2, And also unto you my servant Edward Partridge and his counselors. Edward Partridge was the bishop in Zion. His, his counselors were Isaac Morley and Titus Billings. John Corll, who had been his second counselor, was released the previous August to serve as a church historian. Verse 3, And also unto my faithful servants, who are of the high council of my church in Zion, for thus it shall be called, and unto all the elders and people of my church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, scattered abroad in all the world, for thus shall my church be called in the last days, even the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
Elder B.H. Roberts explained the significance of the Lord naming his church in this revelation. Previous to this, the church had been called the Church of Christ, the Church of Jesus Christ, the Church of God, and by a conference of elders held in Kirtland in May 1844, it was given the name the Church of the Latter-day Saints. All these names, however, were by this revelation brushed aside, and since then the official name given in this revelation has been recognized as the true title of the church. Though often spoken of as the Mormon Church, the Church of Christ, etc., the appropriateness of this title is self-evident, and in it there is a beautiful recognition of the relationship both of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the saints to the organization. Remember that recently President Nelson has been emphasizing again using the name of the church in its entirety, uh, not called Latter-day Saint Church or LDS or Mormons. Verse 5, Verily I say unto you all, Arise and shine forth, that thy light may be a standard for the nations, and that the gathering together upon the land of Zion and upon her stakes may be for a defense and for a refuge from the storm and from wrath when it shall be poured out without mixture upon the whole earth. This text affirms that in the last days the whole earth is to feel the chastening hand of the Almighty. When that day comes, two places of safety for the faithful saints are identified. First, the land of Zion, meaning Jackson County, Missouri, and second, the saints are the stakes of Zion, which will be scattered throughout the earth. Much must yet transpire before Zion is redeemed and becomes the administrative headquarters of the church. In the meantime, the safety known to the general body of the church will center in its stakes. That these stakes will dot the whole earth suggests that the safety of the saints will center not in a particular location, but rather through the garment of protection that rests upon them in and through keeping their covenants with exactness and honor. The safety of the saints will, will revolve around unity, love, concern, and support given to one another, and upon their right to draw on the powers of heaven to protect their interests. As the stakes of Zion spread across the face of the earth, we expect temples to follow. The hope is that in, not, in some not too far distant day, even faithful Latter-day Saints will find themselves within some reasonable proximity of a temple. Let us recite the crowning reason for gathering to Zion or to her stakes, taught Elder Bruce R. McConkie. It is to receive the blessings found in the temples of the Lord. There and there only are the saints endowed with power from on high after the ancient pattern. There and there only can they enter into the same eternal covenants that Jehovah made and with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that through celestial marriage they might have a continuation of the seeds forever and ever. There and there only can they perform the ordinances of salvation and exaltation for their ancestors, who died without a knowledge of the gospel, but who would have received it with all their hearts, had it come to them in their day. Indeed, all of the places appointed for the gathering of the saints are holy places, and the center and crown of each place is that sacred sanctuary, that holy temple, wherein the fullness of the blessings of heaven may be received. Wrath, when it shall be poured out without mixture, the imagery of plagues without being poured out without, I'm sorry, being poured out upon the earth like liquid from vials comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 16. To describe the wrath of God as liquid being without mixture is to say that the plagues will not be diluted or watered down. That is, the fullness of the wrath of God will be poured out upon the wicked of the earth. And that was by Joseph Fielder McConkie. Verse 7, Let this city far west be a holy and consecrated land unto me, and it shall be called most holy, for the ground upon which thou standest is holy. The temple at far west has not yet been built. It's possible that if the saints had gathered in haste as they had as they had been commanded, that they would have built the city and the temple. 
Therefore I command you to build a house unto me for the gathering together of my saints, that they may worship me. And let there be a beginning of this work and a foundation and a preparatory work this following summer. And let the beginning be made on the fourth day of, the, of July next. And from that time forth, let my servant labor, let my people labor diligently to build a house unto my name. Concerning the events of that day, the prophet Joseph Smith wrote, The day was spent in celebrating the Declaration of Independence of the United States of America, and also by the saints making a declaration of independence from all mobs and persecutions which have been, which have been inflicted upon them, time after time, until they, come, until they could bear it no longer. Having been driven by ruthless mobs and enemies of truth from their homes, and having had their property confiscated, their lives exposed, and they're, and they're all jeopardized by such barbarous conduct. The cornerstones of the houses of the Lord, agreeable to the commandments of the Lord unto us, given on the April, April 26, 1838, were laid. Joseph Smith, Jr. was president of the day, Hiram Smith, vice president, Sidney Rigdon, orator, Reynolds Cahoon, chief marshal, George M. Hinkle, and J. Hunt, assistant marshals, and George W. Robinson, clerk. The order of the day was splendid. This, the procession commenced forming at 10 o'clock a.m. in the following order. First, the infantry, militia. Second, the patriarchs of the church, the president, vice president, and orator, the twelve apostles, presidents of the stakes, and high council, bishop and counselors, architects, ladies and gentlemen. The cavalry brought up the rear of the, of the large procession, which marched to music and formed a circle with the ladies in front round the excavation. The southeast cornerstone of the Lord's house in far west Missouri was then laid by the presidents of the stake, assisted by twelve men. The southwest corner of the president, by the presidents of the elders, assisted by twelve men. The northwest corner by the bishop, assisted by twelve men. The northeast corner by the president of the teachers, assisted by twelve men. This house is to be 110 feet long and 80 feet broad. And in one year from this time, from this day, let them recommence laying the foundation of my house. Thus, let them that let, let thus let them from that time forth labor diligently until it shall be finished from the cornerstone thereof unto the top thereof until there shall not be anything remain that is not finished. Verily I say unto you, let my let not my servant Joseph, neither my servant Sidney, neither my servant Hiram, get in debt any more for the building of a house unto my name. This command came on the heels of debt shackling the church incurred from building the Kirtland Temple. Heber C. Kimball explained, This building Kirtland Temple, the saints commenced in 1833 in poverty and without means to do it. In 1834 they completed the walls, and in 1835-6 they nearly finished it. The cost was between sixty and $70,000. A committee was appointed to gather donations. They traveled uh, among the churches, and collected a considerable amount, but not sufficient, so that in the end they found themselves between thirteen and fourteen thousand dollars in debt. It has been the policy of the church for many years that no church building is dedicated until it is paid for in full. In fact, most churches or chapels or temples aren't even built until they have all the money in hand to do it. I think they have plenty to build hundreds of temples in the future. Verse 14, But let a house be built unto my name according to the pattern which I will show unto them. And if my people build it not according to the pattern which I shall show unto their presidency, I will not accept it at their hands. But if my people do build it according to the pattern which I shall show unto their presidency, even my servant Joseph and his counselors, then I will accept it at the hands of my people. 
The plan or pattern for the temple in far west Missouri was to be given by revelation. Joseph Fielding Smith wrote, We have good reason to believe that his plan contemplated many changes not found in the house of, in Kirtland. The keys for the sealing of both the living and the dead had been revealed since the Kirtland Temple was built. The doctrine of salvation for the dead had been hinted at, but not yet clearly revealed. The Lord certainly intended to place in this new temple, if it should be built according to his plan, the provisions which were found in the Nauvoo Temple and all the other temples erected since that day to, so that the ordinance of baptism for the dead and all the ordinances of the gospel could be given to both the living and the dead, as outlined by the Lord to the prophet. Verse 17, And again, verily I say unto you, it is my will that the city of, of far west should be built up speedily by the gathering of my saints, and also that other places should be appointed for stakes in the regions round about, as they shall be manifested unto my servant Joseph from time to time. For behold, I will be with him, and I will sanctify him before the people. For unto him will I, unto him have I given the keys of this kingdom and ministry, even so. Amen. Stakes may be designated and established only under the direction of the president of the church, he holding the keys of the kingdom. The prophet Joseph Smith received revelation explaining the proper order for organizing a stake of Zion. Revelation given January the 12th, 1838, upon an inquiry being made of the Lord, whether any branch of the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints can be considered a stake of Zion until they have acknowledged the authority of the first presidency by a vote of, the, of such church. Thus saith the Lord, Verily I say unto you, Nay, no stake shall be appointed except by the first presidency, and this presidency be acknowledged by the voice of the, of the same. Otherwise it shall not be counted as a stake of Zion, and again, except it be dedicated by this presidency, it cannot be acknowledged as a stake of Zion. For unto this end have I appointed them in laying the foundation of and establishing my kingdom, even so. Amen. I bear testimony that these things are true and that as we uh, contemplate the building of temples and that there will be hundreds and maybe even thousands of temples, uh, especially during the millennium, I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.